You're listening to the Greek's Gridiron, live with Ethan Haristadoulou. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Greek's Gridiron. I am Ethan Haristadoulou, and today I dive into what I would argue is the most intense rivalry-filled division in the NFL, being the AFC North. I'm ranking the offenses from worst to first, giving my thoughts and opinions on all the units, the personnel, how I kind of think they look going into this season, and then, of course, ranking them all. But Without further ado, we're diving right into it. Make sure you comment down below. What do you agree with and disagree with that I have to say? Let me hear your power rankings for these offenses as well. But starting off with the number four team in the division here, and it really pains me to put them here because I want them to be higher on this list, but I feel like it's a younger group. They have some more interchanging pieces than I would say some of the other teams have in this division, and that's going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers at number four. Obviously, when you look at the offensive side of things, the biggest thing that stands out to me, in my opinion, is how does Kenny Pickett handle year number two? He obviously got the nod, uh, what was it, like five, six, seven, six or seven weeks into the season, something along those lines when he came in. He ended up only having 10 total touchdowns on the year. He had a couple of games with three interceptions as well. So it was a uh, very much a learning year for the rookie quarterback. And I think he did a solid job. I don't think he did a poor job. I don't think he did a great job, uh, but I think he did about what he could do considering the offensive line issues that the Pittsburgh Steelers were dealing with still. And just, you know, kind of no one ever projected Kenny Pickett to be like a day one monster out of the gate you know he was somebody who probably had the highest floor amongst all the rookie quarterbacks but was still kind of he was going to need some time to learn and grow and I think we definitely saw that from him but thankfully he does have a really good receiving core around him both in the wide receiver rooms and the tight end room George Pickens Pickens really feels like he's that next wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers I mean if there's one thing that I know the Pittsburgh Steelers can do it is that they can draft and develop wide receivers and George Pickens feels like a massive hit for them. Then you have to look at free agent signee Allen Robinson, big man 6-3 to pair with Kenny Pickett, also being a big 6-3 guy. More, He's just more of a you know a go-up contested catch kind of guy, but a big body nonetheless, an experienced vet in what is a somewhat younger-ish wide receiver room. And then, of course, Deontay, Deontay Johnson, who has been an absolute stud, I would say, in his time during in, uh, while being in Pittsburgh. So wide receiver room looks really good. I'm really excited about this trio of guys and how they're going to continue to grow and mold together as a unit alongside Kenny Pickett. And then, of course, can't forget Pat Fryermuth, who uh, I'm very excited to see continue to grow. It really feels like he is becoming that possession, which it seems like a recurring theme with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They love those big-bodied possession tight ends, the guys that are like security blankets. And he did an excellent job in his second season jumping from, and he didn't have like a ton of yards or anything by any means. It's not like he has these gaudy numbers, but going from 8.3 yards per reception to 11.6, massive jump. He's a guy that can find his way through the middle of the field and get himself open and make those big contested catches if you need him to. I think a huge security blanket for Kenny Pickett. So overall, the passing game, it really just comes down to Kenny Pickett and how does he end up developing in year number two. Running game is, of course, I would say fairly solid. You have Najee Harris, who has been really good so far in his first couple of seasons as running back one. I would like to see him get that yards per carry number a little bit higher. He finished last season with only 3.9, but do you blame him for that? Do you blame the offensive line for that? I think maybe a slight 
share 50-50 of the two maybe, or maybe like 60-40 the offensive line. I'd probably lean more towards it being their issue more so than his issue because I'm very high on Najee Harris. I love what he does on the ground, but I also love what he does as a receiver out of the backfield as well. And I'm also going to be keeping a close eye on Jalen Warren. He's somebody that in the very limited action he saw, he had 77 rushing attempts last year. He averaged 4.9 yards per carry. So a guy that I don't think a lot of people expected to come in and kind of have big bursts here or there, but he definitely showed some of that. But like I was talking, the biggest question mark for me really is this offensive line. And can they put it all together to give Kenny Pickett more time, open up some bigger running lanes for Najee Harris and Jalen Warren if he continues to get those second running back snaps? Uh, You look at some of the additions they made. It felt like the left side really got a big facelift this offseason. You bring in Isaac Sumalo from Philadelphia. He's going to be slotting in at left guard, it appears. And then, of course, your first round selection in Broderick Jones should be a big addition to the offensive line playing at the left tackle spot. Really excited about him. I'm hoping that the Steelers can get the absolute most out of him early on because I think he has a really good athleticism and big size for who he is. It's just a matter of turning him into a pure pass blocking guy. But overall, I think the Steelers have a ton of potential upside. I don't want to sit here and say I'm like sleeping on them or anything. It's just the number four spot in all of my lists feels like the teams that I have the most questions about and less answers for. So hence why I have the Steelers here at the number four position. Now, Moving beyond this list here and into the number three spot, uh, I was doing a little bit of juggling, I would say, with four and three, and I settled on Steelers at four. And at the number three spot, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns. And a big reason why they find themselves at number three has to do with their biggest question mark, in my opinion, on the offense, having to do with the most important position in football, and that is at the quarterback spot. I truly believe that this offense will live or die by the success that Deshaun Watson or does does or does not have in this offense. That's really going to be the basic this is going to be what decides the future of this franchise, I would say. You have a boatload of money, guaranteed money at that, invested in Deshaun Watson. They absolutely need him to look better than what we saw from him last year. The good news is though, While their biggest question mark is at the most important position, there is a ton of talent around him. So I'm not going to sit here and say that there isn't plenty in the cupboard for them to work with over there. I think Cleveland on paper has a litany of guys to work with here on the offense. Amari Cooper, still a stud. I think a guy that just because he's been moved around a little bit gets a little bit slept on. But I mean, one of the fiercest route runners in the NFL. I mean, this is a guy that I don't really understand how he flies so much under the radar. Maybe it's just... I don't know. Is is it because he got traded and being in Cleveland? I don't really understand. But I, I mean, I think Amari Cooper is one of the better wide receivers in the NFL. Donovan Peoples-Jones is going to be an excellent guy opposite of him as well. And then Elijah Moore, who you traded for from the Jets going into the slot position, if that's where he ends up playing. I mean, that's an excellent trio to work with. You went and got a rookie in Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee this year as well from the draft in round three. I mean, your wide receiver room is pretty stacked. Anthony Schwartz is like that other big deep ball threat guy. If he can get involved more. I mean, there's plenty for the Browns to work with. It's just a matter of can Deshaun Watson utilize all that. And then not to mention, of course, can't forget about him, but tight end David Njoku, a guy that another tight end who doesn't necessarily net massive yard numbers, but nearly 11 yards per reception is exactly why he got the contract extension he did. He's a guy who can rip out chunk plays for you, very athletic at the tight end position, a mismatch guy where it's like, do you line up a safety across from him, a linebacker, a big corner? What are you trying to do defending him? But overall, plenty to work with as far as receivers go. And then literally in my notes here, as far as the ground game goes, I mean, do you need to go beyond Nick Chubb? Need I say more? Nick Chubb, 
listen, I'm not sitting here making a list of best running backs in the NFL right now, but off the top of my head, Nick Chubb gets strong consideration for number one. Absolutely. I mean, with 1,700 total yards last season and 13 total touchdowns, I mean, you can't really sit here and say that he isn't one of the best in the business at what he does. Nick Chubb is mean. He is nasty running the football, and he has a phenomenal offensive line helping him out as well to do what he does best. I think that the offensive line in Cleveland, because of just the lack of like true success that I guess you've had with the playoffs and everything in Cleveland gets a little bit slept on here, but I mean, you have a really great group group of guys anchored by, you know, right tackle Jack Conklin. You have Ethan Pochich at center and then Joel Batonio, another one. I mean, there's a really good group of guys that not only are really good, but have had extended time together as well. And I think offensive line synergy is one of those things that is very important and vastly forgotten about. So to have a really great offensive line to work with, as far as opening up the run game for you, they, do need to work on protecting Watson a little bit more, but I don't necessarily know. I mean, when you look at just the, some of the sacks, was it Watson's just kind of knocking the rust off early on where some of those numbers didn't look great? Or is it more so that they really do need to improve in, for, in terms of pass protection? That's one of those things where I think we'll get a more clear answer in year number two, but a really good offensive line altogether, even great offensive line, you could argue. Excellent running back, great room of wide receivers. It's just if your biggest question mark is at the quarterback position. And for me right now, I think the jury's still out on Deshaun Watson, however you feel about him personally or not. Uh, that's beside the point. But right now, uh, I'm not necessarily the highest on Deshaun Watson. But if things work in their favor, this offense could be far more threatening than just the number three team. Now, Looking into numbers two and number one, I always love getting to this point here because obviously as I reveal two, it lets you know who number one is and I always get crazy reactions. <clears throat> I am still currently fighting off Detroit Lions fans from my last episode where I was discussing the NFC North. If you haven't checked that out, I highly re recommend you do. The comment section is a wildfire right now with angry Lions fans at me. Uh, hint, hint as to how that whole thing turned out. But... Uh, for this one here, I would say it's very close because you have two offenses that are vastly different from each other and get it done in very different ways. But I do think one offense, for me, I just feel a little more secure about. So at the number two spot... I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens here. And this is one that I had, like I said, I had to think very long and hard because I'm a very big Lamar Jackson guy. I'm very happy he got paid and I'm very excited to see him play now post-contract saga. He's there. He's locked up. He's going to be in Baltimore. And I think he's going to be a playmaker for years to come over there in Baltimore. But I mean, you look at what they did to make sure that he has what he needs to be successful as a passer. We obviously know what he can do on the ground. A lot of people with the whole he's a running back playing quarterback yada 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 I do not buy into that whole narrative I also think Lamar Jackson's a pretty good passer as well but I think that the skill around him was kind of lacking and to see them go after Odell Beckham who obviously has been out for a while now he missed all of last year after tearing his ACL in the Super Bowl I'm hoping that he can get back to being what he was or at least close to what he was prior to that injury there I think if the Ravens were willing to give him what was it 18 million dollars a year or a year for that single I forget if it's a one-year deal or not, but for them to be willing to give $18 million to Odell Beckham, he had to have shown them something they really believed in and liked. On top of that, you went and got a first-round pick in Zay Flowers. Rashad Bateman is someone who's going to really have to step up here, but 
I'm really focusing in on the tight ends that they have here because we already know the rapport that he has with Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson, that being. And then, of course, second-year tight end Isaiah Likely. I would really love to see the Ravens lean more into their tight end group because I'm very high on Isaiah Likely. He's somebody who I think could create some serious mismatches, but it's hard if you're running sets where you're only working with one tight end. And I understand you kind of invested in the wide receiver room, so you want to try to get three wides out as much as possible. But if you can run some sets where you have two tight ends at play and you can incorporate both Andrews and Likely, this is a frightening offense in the passing game on paper. And then, of course, the running back room. Biggest thing for me is just can J.K. Dobbins stay healthy? I mean, that's going to be probably one of the more extreme important things for them to look at on offense. He did average seven yards per attempt in weeks 13 through 16, and I believe he was around like five yards per carry in the playoff game they played in as well. So he's effective. He just needs to be on the field. That's ultimately what we're, we need to see from Mark Andrews. So, or not Mark Andrews, excuse me, J.K. Dobbins. So if he can stay healthy and be on the field, you have your running back room set. Gus Bradley, or Gus, wow, I am mixing up names right now. Gus Edwards, Gus the Bus, is backing him up. He's still in town, and he is an excellent backup running back to J.K. Dobbins. He himself last year averaged five yards per attempt. A great fit for the running style offense that they have over there in Baltimore. And then obviously Lamar Jackson being the threat that he is in the run game. I mean, on paper, this roster to me makes a lot of sense. And even offensive line was a little bit of an issue and they addressed that this off season. Very interested to see how they do this year. I think they were really good when it came to opening up the ground game pass game was a little bit iffy, but I mean, you went and got Morgan Moses at right tackle. That is a big addition here. You want to see Ronnie Stanley be able to play more than what he did last year. It kind of sucks that he missed six games. So if he can stay healthier, that would be ideal for them as well. And it's clear to me, at least, I don't know about everyone else, but it seems like they hit on center Tyler Linderbaum as well. PFF ranked him as the sixth best center in the NFL. So, I mean, you have a really like a budding offensive line here, one that's really growing and coming into form and one that I think could be, you know, it could be an X factor for you. It could be the reason that you can be able to push yourself over the hump. I feel like great offensive line play gets you know, underthrown all the time because the NFL is so flashy with the way that it is in terms of offense these days. The offensive linemen get forgotten, but if there's one thing that I know, a great offensive line leads to a very great offense. And if this offensive line improves off of last year with the amount of talent I just talked about here, there's a lot to be excited about in Baltimore. However, having them at two, I do have the Bengals, of course, at number one. And for me, really, it just comes down to more sure and proven talent in the skill room. Whereas there's a lot to be excited about in Baltimore. There's a lot that I feel like I know about when it comes to Cincinnati and obviously Joe Burrow leading the way, arguably one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. He's in that top five QB conversation and for some he's probably even top three. But when I look at this, the skill talent, as far as wide receiver corps goes, your top three guys, you have Jamar Chase absolute stud since he's entered the NFL. You have T Higgins, who is a number one wide receiver on a lot of teams in the NFL that don't have one number one wide receivers or ones as good as T Higgins right now. And he is, I guess, like de facto too. But 
it's more like 1A, 1B between he and Jamar Chase, I would argue. Then you have Tyler Boyd, who is a guy that I think gets slept on because you have so much talent at the wide receiver position, but he is an elite slot guy, and he has been for the duration of his career, all the way back since A.J. Green was around. And then you add in the addition of Irv Smith, who I think brings a little more athleticism that you'd like to see out of the tight end position. So I'll be very curious to see how things work out with him. Obviously, Minnesota opted to let him go this offseason, but I'm excited to see how he fits in there. And then my favorite thing that the Bengals have done this offseason, and one that I think is flying under the radar a little bit, was being able to restructure Joe Mixon's contract to be able to keep him around for this season and potentially even beyond. Joe Mixon, very versatile in this offense, both what he does on the ground and as a receiver out of the backfield as well. He finished with 1,255 total yards last season and nine touchdowns. He is someone that doesn't get quite the cred I would say he deserves, and I feel like that's kind of a theme with some certain areas within this entire division here, but he, Joe Mixon is definitely one of those guys where I think that he is an excellent back that can just do it all for you, do it all back, I guess you could say, and for him to be able to stick around in Cincinnati, keep that continuity as far as the skill position starters go for this offense, massive, 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 and then you look at the offensive line. This is where some questions, and this kind of seems like the theme for the Bengals the last few years, prop up, but it's clear that the Bengals wanted to finish addressing what they started last offseason. And you look to see that in the big addition, left tackle Orlando Brown Jr. should help that offensive line. You went up, you went up about like 10 spots, I would say, as far as uh, the, the numbers went for sacks allowed. You went from being the absolute worst to like somewhere around, uh, I want to say it was like, I forgot to write this down, but like somewhere around 20-ish or so, give or take something along those lines. I believe they allowed 44 sacks. So you went from first to like first or worst, excuse me, to middle of the pack. You would like to see that number continue to drop and maybe move yourself within like the top 12 or so offensive lines in terms of protecting. Like you have Joe Burrow. If you can give him more time and seeing what he's done with the time that he's had already in his career, if you can even allot him more time to work with, just an extra second to go through those reads or maybe find that guy after going through and maybe not finding his first look, I can only imagine where this team could go offensively. And then on the other side, can't forget the right tackle spot. A lot of conversation right now with Lael Collins and Jonah Williams both being over there. What exactly is going to happen with that? That's something I will be keeping my eye on. But overall, I mean, you have a very strong group at offensive line. I would say the best group of wide receivers in this division. I don't really know if that's a contest. Running back room is set. You have Joe Mixon behind him, Travion Williams, or you went and got a fifth-round selection and Chase Brown from Illinois as well to pick up the relief role, but Joe Mixon is a guy who can be in there for the bulk majority as long as he doesn't get hurt. I'm very high on the Bengals this year. I'm very high on the Ravens as well. My curiosity is there with Cleveland. And as for the Steelers, uh, I just, you know, this is one of those things where it, it kind of feels like the obvious choice for number four, and I hate that that's where it is, but... It kind of is what it is with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm hoping to see more from them beyond just what I ranked them today, but that's kind of where I have them right now. But those are my rankings for the AFC North offenses. Again, let me know in the comment section down below. How are you feeling about these power rankings that I put out? Let me hear your power rankings, thoughts, opinions on everything I discussed or some things that you may have regarding any of these four teams. But that is it for me. I appreciate you having made it to the end of the video. I will see you all next time. Have a good one.